Most animated characters were created to entertain movie audiences, and many of them in cartoons, like Daffy Duck or Bugs Bunny, or Tom and Jerry. Many of them have also appeared in commercials, like Mickey Mouse and Popeye. But some animated characters were created mainly for appearing in ads and commercials, to be brand mascots and sell products. Some of them have survived for decades, like Snap, Crackle and Pop, mascots of the Kellogg's Rice Krispies brand, who made their debut in the 30s and have appeared in plenty of animated commercials through the years. Snap, crackle, Rice Krispies. Or Mr. Clean, that bald-headed and, in my opinion, slightly scary muscle guy who wants you to use the product with the same name ever since 1958. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Or Bibendum, aka the Michelin Tire Man, who traces origins back to the 1800s but has appeared in animated commercials ever since the 1930s. Mesdames, Messieurs, le pneu Michelin X est extraordinaire. How do you go about to create a brand mascot, a commercial character? And how is it to work with that character year after year to revisit that same guy and see him or her evolve, and then in some cases, retire? Today, the yellow brick road leads to the story of some of the brand mascots that Goodbye Kansas has worked with through the years. Welcome to the commercial yellow brick road. Hi everybody, I'm Nils Lagergren and this is of course the Yellow Brick Road, the podcast about movies, games and VFX. Yes, today we're going to talk about some commercial characters, characters that were created to be stars in commercials and be poster faces for products and brands. Here to help me look back at some of the characters created by Goodbye Kansas Studios are senior animator and animation director Rickard Enqvist and supervising animator and head of keyframe animation Raul Kachamani. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good to have you here. Uh, Rickard, you, you've been at Yellow Brick Road before, but, but Raul, this is your first visit here. And I always ask the same question to all our new guests. How did you end up in this amazing industry? Well, the truth is that I was so annoyed with my previous work, then uh, I decided I had to find something else. I was working as a cabin attendant back then, flying around the globe, and that was 17 years ago. I just couldn't bear it anymore. And for as cool as my sound, after five years, really, I had enough of that life. And I decided it was time for a change. So looking back at my childhood, try to figure out what it was that I always loved to do before, you know, being sucked by the grown-up world. Mm. And the answer was drawing comics, being creative. So I got myself a laptop. And while I was in hotel rooms around the globe, I was learning Maya. It was, you know, 3D was pretty new back then. Mm. So after a couple of years, I felt ready to, you know, start to advertise myself and found my first full-time job in the industry. Ah. And that was 2004. So you trained on becoming an animator whilst working on airplanes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, both of you have worked with animation for many, 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 many years, uh, and you've been animating a bunch of characters in commercials. Uh, Rickard, do you remember which commercial characters that were your first ones? 
Yes, I do. It, it was actually um, my, my first freelance gig as well uh, in 3D animation. Uh, and it was for Fido, later became part of Goodbye Kansas. But it was uh, a Swedish classic. It's Boxer Robert, the guy who sells um, TV boxes, you know, yeah. cable boxes for TVs. Uh, I was assigned a shot where he... And the, the, the Incredibles had just come out and they made some sort of a version of him being like Mr. Incredible and he was pumped up like he was a really skinny guy from the beginning and he was pumped like he was using an air pump to give himself muscle and stuff and I, I had a shot in the end of the film where he sat back into an armchair that could kind of swivel and he switched off his remote and he was happy and just kind of leaned back. And I, was, I remember like that was my first sort of paid <laughs> 3D <laughs> shot. And I was so happy because I, I, I felt I really nailed the body mechanics and, you know, even how the, the you know, as he leaned back, his, you know, he, his body would sort of affect the chair and how it kind of rocked and even swiveled a little bit. And I, I felt really good about it. So I was super happy going home. And then a few days later, I saw the edit and that was the pack shot so that was cool i thought but then they ended up you know blurring the entire shot and adding <laughs> <laughs> the logos on top so, so I, uh, nothing of my work the uh, yes the play blast was really nice the shot in the film like it wasn't one of those shots where you could show your mother and go look that's my work because there was nothing there <laughs> sounds so. like mike basowski on the incredible <laughs> yes. when he has the, the yes. logo exactly it on his face very much the same only he was super stoked about it still <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it was it was uh, i liked the experience a lot up until the point where they blurred it <laughs> i understand that yeah. and you wrote Well, um, I only came into the commercial world pretty late in my career, uh, and that was four years ago. I had been focusing till that moment mostly on movies. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, the very first character I've animated for a commercial, and that was the only one for a very long time, dates back to 2005, and was the Kinder Egg. Mm. Ah. It was a break in between movies we were doing, and the client had that request, so we went for that, yeah. It was a pretty traumatic experience, I remember, because we had to work day and nights for a crazy delivery. And that's probably what also played a big role for keeping me away from the commercial world for a long time. Ah. Till, you know, I discovered a brand new world and I thought, and I realized that actually it is possible to make it properly. And when I first came to Fido and Goodbye Kansas, that I realized that a very organized team can make the whole, you know, world of difference. Yeah. And then I became friends with commercials again. One of the first successful commercial characters that, that was created by Fido was uh, a guy called Freddy, a German chameleon. Uh, and you, Rick, had worked with that one for many, many years. Do, do you remember how Freddy was created? Yeah, so the first version of Freddy was, was actually uh, a realistic uh, chameleon. Hmm. And that's apparently what the, the client wanted in the initial brief. Um, I I wasn't working on it personally. I was at Fido at the time, but I wasn't on the project. Uh, but I remember that as you know, following the project sort of from the side, I learned that you know it evolved a lot from the initial uh, brief. And the client and agency were constantly asking for more 
big expressions, more comedy, more cartoony animation. So it was a little bit tough for them because the whole design and the the rig was set up to be realistic. Mm. So they were asking for something that the animation rig couldn't quite do. So there was a lot of frustration there. And uh, how do you approach the animation of a character like Freddy? Uh, because he, he turned it into a more cartoony character and, and you said that you animated him in a cartoony way. Uh, Yeah, I came into the project or onto the project for the second iteration and we ended up uh, uprooting everything. This this first iteration was kind of an R&D for everybody. And I, you know, knowing then what we should have known from the start, it was easy to figure out that we need to redesign him. We need to make a new uh, model and rig to facilitate, you know, everything that you need to do in order to to hit that kind of cartoony style that they obviously wanted. Uh, so um, once we had that, then then uh, once we got started to to animate, I mean, you you get you, you get a lot of uh, information about the personality that the client is going for in the character, obviously from 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 the brief, mm. and also like when you discuss the design and everything that kind of goes into that process, and also of course you know the scripts for the ideas for the films will will be a pretty clear I yeah. you know indication of what kind of comedy they're going for, which is usually the case. Uh, and, uh, you know, once you get the the audio for the spoken lines, that's a huge cue for animators too, like how how the character expresses things, you know, if there's, you know, the level of energy, yeah. if there's, a you know, a humor sort of in, in the voice, uh, the timing, any kind of hesitation or... Uh, Everything you, you, like that. You mentioned energy, and, and that was quite important for Freddy because I mean, uh, the German actor that dubbed him was the same guy that dubbed all the Jim Carrey movies in Germany. Uh, did, did that knowledge affect you? Did it, I mean, did you think of Jim Carrey when, when you? We didn't anime? perhaps think of Jim Carrey so much. It's it's you know it's funny with Germany because they dub everything. Yeah, it, it was important to the client, I think, mm. to to. Uh, say that they had cast Jim Carrey's German voice yeah. because it's always the same German actor mm-hmm. doing the the voice for Jim Carrey. So that's something that a German uh, audience will uh, recognize and then link. And so with that, when they recognize the voice, they will also you know color what they see kind of in the character with that yeah. knowledge. So that was important to understand. So that, of course, it was a cue to take into consideration, like, you know, how does Jim Carrey act or, or our sort of perception of him? But I wouldn't say that we perhaps, uh, we didn't study him. No. But you know that he can throw himself from one uh, emotion very quickly to another. So he's super melodramatic, mm. which is... Uh, very suitable for for funny and cartoony animation and very hard to do in live action so he's he's a genius yeah. <laughs> that he can pull it off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to be an animator not not knowing jim carrey very well yeah I mean, yeah, he, yeah i mean at the beginning of his career he actually became famous for being an actor who could behave like a cartoon mm. and uh, it's interesting that then later he himself became a reference for cartoons so the circle actually closed you know? a circle of life uh, of animation uh but does it get easier to to animate a commercial character when you work with him for a series of films through the years i mean do you get to know him better and better or her uh, the longer you work with i would say absolutely but i mean not only do you get to know the character 
kind of, but you also develop hopefully a report with the client. Mm. Uh, and that's super important because you, you end up develop, developing the ideas and character together with them. And you kind of, along the way, you learn what they go for, what they find funny or suitable for this character and stuff like that. And also, hopefully, you know, if you're successful with your deliveries and stuff and they like your ideas, they will start to trust you more. And that, you know, so the window opens for you to really to, to get your ideas accepted quicker or, you know, you might get more freedom. Maybe you come up with something a little bit more crazy than that they would have accepted in the first iteration of the film. So, so that's always nice. Mm. Yeah, there is a huge difference between the first time you work with mm. a character and the following episodes. I mean, the, mm. the, the level of uh, insecurity also from the client uh, about the, the characters and the style, uh, all the questions suddenly feel answered and there is no more questioning, everything goes smooth. And it doesn't matter how easy is the character. I mean, I remember animating eggs, just mm eggs, plain <laughs> eggs, and it took so long to nail down how mm. they had to move and what they had to do. But then the second show was just like, straightforward. Yeah. You have to remember too, like a, a lot of times, you know, there, there are, there are uh, uh, characters that have been representatives of brands for a long time, and then there are new, completely new characters that somebody in a meeting have convinced the company to take the risk and invest in a character for a commercial. So somebody's, mm. well, basically asses on the line. <laughs> if it yeah. doesn't work out, it's their job, maybe, or, mm. you know, a lot of prestige. So there is a lot of uh, uh, anxiety on the client side sometimes. And once you deliver a successful commercial that everybody liked, then it's much easier to make number two. Yeah. Another character that you worked a lot with during the years was uh, a guy called Frank the Sheep. This is Frank. A black sheep that was created for the Swedish telecom brand Tille 2 by Forsman and Bodenfors Agency. Uh, he was one of the most successful commercial characters in Sweden ever and appeared in tons of commercials between 2008 and 2016 when he was retired. And most of the shots in the films were made with an animatronic sheep, but already from the start he also existed in a digital version. Rickard, what can you tell us about how it was to work with Frank? You know, given the fact that it was an animatronic from the start, uh, we were tasked with uh, basically, well, we, we had to try to match that style uh, in order for it to feel like the same character. Um, so that was a little bit different. They, they, they shot a lot of stuff using the puppet, but then a lot of things needed to be uh, 3D animated. Obviously, when he was talking, there were shots of him in TV studios giving interviews and stuff. So we had to, uh, when it came down to like animating expressions and stuff, it, it was just not very practical to do it with uh, a puppet. Hmm. Uh, and also like when he was walking or running someplace, you know, we had to, we had to, uh, use our 3D rig. It was a little bit different because the, the, the puppet didn't look very good. <laughs> <laughs> it was charming in one sense, but mm. in order to make the body work for, for walking and stuff, it, it was, it kind of sagged and stuff. So we felt that we had to kind of ugly down our animation a fair bit to yeah. kind of, and probably it was a little bit too pretty at times to really 
fit the style of the puppet, but that's how far we could bear to take it, I think. <laughs> so, so. We, we mentioned the importance of the voice of a character, and the voice of Frank was quite crucial for his success, I think. Um, how did that affect your work? I mean, the, the voice is always super important when you animate to, to voice tracks. It gives you so much. And he, he uh, in Frank's case, he's a real nightmare of a boss. You know, he, he wants for his workers to take staycations and stay at work, basically, on their vacations. <laughs> and, you know, there's just a lot of platitudes and, and, and jokes about management and things that people will recognize. But he was super cocky and just very self-absorbed and it really came across in uh, in his voice so it was mm. easy to find ways to to animate him and, and sort of get that attitude into the sheep so it's good voice tracks are golden for yeah. animators I remember doing a shoot of backgrounds for some Frank ads at Arlanda Airport in Stockholm uh, and I was struck of how well known this character was and when we arrived at the airport the staff uh, that we met was so disappointed <laughs> that they didn't get to meet Frank because they hadn't understood that, that he was digital. <laughs> Apart from the commercials, we also produced plenty of ads and posters with Frank uh, and a series of GIF animations back in 2015, in which I actually got the opportunity to act against him. Uh, that's possibly my proudest moment. But then, in 2016, the agency pulled the plug and retired him. Frank was gone. So, how did that feel after all those years, Richard? Did you miss him? Do you miss him? To be honest, no. <laughs> but you know, it, it was a fun, fun character to to work on, and I think he, as long as as for, for as long as he was, you know, he 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 had a long run, put yeah. it that way, and he never got he never overstayed his welcome. I don't think on the market. So I remember that they were talking about, or we were talking internally, that this is probably the, the last iteration or the last batch of Frank animations that we make. Uh, and then he came back next year, and then he came back the year after that. So, I mean, eight years is a super long time for a character like this. Yeah. Um, but he just kept bouncing back. Um, and maybe he's like one of those drunk uncles. <laughs> that, <laughs> that you only meet every other Christmas or so that you know you kind of he's not comfortable to be around but you kind of miss him when he's gone because he was funny enough in a quirky way I don't know in 2013 you Rickard were involved in the creation of another famous Swedish commercial character the mini horse Vinny spokes horse for ATG the Swedish horse racing totalizator board jag glömmer aldrig mammas ord Vinny ingen dröm Uh, you, you made lots of uh, commercials with him. Uh, the agency was Orkestam Holst, and the first films were directed by Felix Herngren, and, and they were an instant success. But 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 Vinny was a photorealistic horse, and in many shots played by a real horse. But how, how did you approach that? Well, um, like you said, a lot of of the shots were actually shot with. A uh, very talented miniature horse yeah. <laughs> that could do, uh, you know, a lot of tricks. But there were also things that he couldn't do. And uh, well, one 
obvious thing was that he couldn't lip sync mm. to spoken lines. Yeah. So that was one part where we uh, we uh, marked him up with uh, track marks on the face of the horse, and we got the body action from shot material, and then uh, we would animate facials and lip sync. So so basically, we had a, a digi double for the mm. horse, a, mm. a full horse, uh, including facial rig. Uh, so that was part of our task. Another part was to, um, you know, when he was doing things that were, you know. Obviously, you can't put an animal through, so like jumping off of a diving platform or doing, you know, some spectacular things like going into a boxing ring, working out with his buddy. So, so that was that. And then there was a lot of of cleanup of of, you know, we had uh, we uh, there were some shots where they helped the horse go the right way using some, you know pieces of string or lines where, where we would then go in and basically clean it up. So that was not so much animation, but uh, compositing and, and mm. you know, clean up work. But, but speaking of the character, uh, I mean, he was a realistic horse. And, and if you compare that with a cartoony German chameleon, what's most rewarding to animate a more cartoony character or a photoreal character like Vinny? I mean, I'm a little bit biased because I really love horses, but I think with the the joy of the Vinny um, campaign and the work we did with him was that it was really high budget in probably in mm. in for, for a, a Swedish commercial, and it and they made it into almost a TV series. Mm. So there were many chapters. You got to follow his story, and there were so many details that uh, followed, like from one episode to another. How he brought his little radio and his little heavy metal posters wherever he went, and stuff like that. So it was more about the 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 whole production rather than maybe individual shots. Uh, so that was super nice in that sense but in terms of of craft uh cartoon animation is more fun to to actually sit and do in front of the computer so it was they were it's 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 um two two different very different things but both are were you know it was wonderful in a different way Hmm. i think reward uh, reward comes from uh, from having your shot animated nicely and that's independent if you're working on keyframe on um, on cartoony or realistic. But if we bring in the fun element, then uh, speaking for myself, definitely cartoon animation challenges you more in in some fun ways. Yeah. Even if realistic, it's really challenging for itself. I remember for Vini, uh, the first shot I think I animated uh, it was shortly after I came to Sweden. It was him uh, singing the Swedish anthem. <laughs> if I remember right. So uh, I remember going home and singing in my head <laughs> that song for a couple of weeks. That was a uh, yeah, good introduction to the country. But then the next show, the next show actually was completely different. You know, while the first one was only lip sync, then the second one was the same guy dancing to some YouTube hit. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it was, you know, almost cartoony in the way it was approached. And you know the the horse was doing things that otherwise uh, a real horse couldn't have done. And yet I remember reading comments on Facebook of people asking, "Wow, how did you get him to do that?" <laughs> <laughs> so in a way that was also rewarding. Like, okay, that means it's looking pretty good, right? Yeah, that, that's a really good review. It's, it's it's actually funny, you know, how people have reacted 
like how did you animate that and you're like oh actually we didn't that was the real horse <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> people think it's but the real the horse but that's the trick and it's, isn't it's, it's the, so, so that people mustn't see what is animated what is real yeah, that's just the, by the character I guess yeah. that's the job to make it blurry yeah. and, and have people not think about what's animation and not and just go go with the story hmm. I guess but but I think in the end for me a lot of it is if, if there's a good atmosphere in the project uh And like Raoul was mentioning, you know, having fun. For me, maybe it's not so important if it's super cartoony or super realistic or anything like that. It's if it feels if it's a fun project with a good client and there's a good atmosphere, then you'll enjoy it. You yeah. know? Whereas you know you can have a super fun cartoony shot and things can go sour and you just don't understand what the client wants and you like something and they don't like it. You know, and it can drag on a bit and. Then it's then it's a bit tough. Hmm. Uh, as concept artist, Richard, you've been involved in the creation of many commercial characters through the years. Uh, and another example uh, is the two eyeball characters that act as mascots for the Brilleland brand, one of the leading optician retail chains in Norway. Tilbud på glas gir brillere briller hos Brilleland. Well, what can you tell us about the process of coming up with those characters? Well, um, well, first of all, I wasn't alone. We had um, Theo Matlane was doing a lot of the work. Yeah. Um, I guess the main sort of problem was that the client wanted two eyeballs as mm. kind of characters, just the eyeballs with arms and legs. So that's a little bit creepy mm. from the start. So you have to kind of... That's what it is. So then you try to make it charming. And I guess the trick in the end was to make them a little bit naive, both in terms of the tone of the film, but also you know, design wise. We tried things like, should they have eyelids? Should there be skin mm. around the, the the eyeballs? But it turned out a little bit too... Uh, creepy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it ended up being creepy. It was a, a little bit too anatomic in a way. Mm. You know, how do you then texture the skin? It's almost like... I think it, they came out like really fun characters. Yeah, they and did yeah. in the end. Those and two guys are between my... Among my favorite characters that mm. we made. Mm. Um, for different reasons, for for the design, for the fact that there are two. Yep. And I've always been in love on you know, um, old-fashioned comedy with, you know, Stan Lauren, um, Oliver Hardy, mm. that kind of style, the interaction between the character, the gags moving, and it's, uh, you know, when you have only one character to deal with, then it's only between uh, him and the audience. Mm. When you have two characters, then the players have different rules. So you really have to plan the shot in a different way. Uh, so, and, and also the rig, I remember, was so much fun to handle and uh, it gave you so much uh, possibilities uh, to explore uh, what could happen in only four frames hmm. was really good fun. D- did you, since it was like two eyeballs, could you, how were they different? Were, were, is, was one of the eyeballs more like Oliver Hardy and one like more like Stan Laurel? Or I remember uh, in the shot I animated, um, there was one more um, Daredevil one who wasn't scared to explore and mm. try things. And the other one was uh, more... Uh, careful and uh, anxious so already with these premises you can build a lot of uh, stories behind it uh, mm. the way they react the way they explore the set and things happen so yeah mm-hmm. 
And I mean, since their eyes, they don't have any mouths, so they couldn't speak. So all all of their characters had to come out from the way how they moved. It could it could even be worse than that because they had <laughs> arms and they had a body shape that could uh, that you could shape actually. So you could work a lot with the silhouette and uh, the body posture. But I mean, I remember uh, I mentioned earlier uh, working on a show with eggs yeah. and I'm talking about realistic <laughs> eggs, no squash and stretch, no face, no arms. And yet we had to make them dance. You, we had to show them uh, scared or uh, uh, happy or uh, enthusiastic. That was tough. How, how do you make an egg look scared? Yeah, <laughs> man, the first show was really tough to nail uh, uh, how how we had to move them, how we had to animate it. But, you know, once the whole work was cleared, I remember when the second show came in, mm. then uh, everything went so much smoother and was so much easier. And everything, it's all about uh, the timing, you know, scaling down and just shaving off everything that it's too much in a person. Yeah. And try to focus on the core, what is it that makes him look that way? Mm. If he didn't have the arms, does he really need the arms for showing that he is scared or that is sad. Yeah. And then slowly you run tests and at the end it works. Hmm. <laughs> uh, most of the characters that we've discussed uh, were created here in Stockholm at Gullberg Cancer Studios, but sometimes you work on characters that already exists. And one example is the German character Kleine Hunger, the, the mascot of Müller Milch in Germany. Also merkt ihr? Wenn du Großes vorhast, muss der kleine Hunger weg. What can you tell us about his origins? Oh, origins wise, mm, I, I I know that he is old. Mm. <laughs> There's a bit of legacy to the character. So when when we um, took on the job, the, the design was basically uh, set. You know, the, they've been making uh, films with this character for decades. Uh, so, so uh, for for better or worse, that that was it. So, our task was to uh, bring him into three D, and uh, you know, working with materials and uh, textures and stuff to make him feel both kind of like you know, classic kleine hunger, so that people will recognize him, hmm. uh, but also make it, you know take our craft seriously and, and make nice shots and you know the way that we see that he needs to be well integrated in the lighting you know how does the texturing and the, the materials you know how will they work to to facilitate that and also the um, the making of a, of a nice animation rig to to push the animation in a nice way and get the acting across hmm. uh, You've done a bunch of commercials with him. How does it feel to return to an old commercial character? Is it like meeting an old friend? Or? Yeah, sometimes you have good friends, sometimes you have less good <laughs> friends. <laughs> definitely, it's like meeting someone you already know. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Klein Hunger is definitely a good friend. Mm. It's really, really, in a way, it's a very simple character. It's a biped, but... It, it has a lot of potential because you can do basically everything you want with it. And w most of the time we have chart blank with from, from the client. Mm. So they are not afraid of going for more uh, uh, snappy action. Uh, it's, you know, it's a dreamland for an animator. Yeah. Um, when you work with characters like these over a long period of time, I, I guess 
you do get an emotional bond with them and and you really know them by heart but do you ever like invent a backstory for them I mean, to help you shape the personality in in this situation Kleiner Hunger would probably react like this or, or yes of course you have to um, and the more you work with a character the more those questions or those answers come spontaneously hmm. but it's also important not to give anything for granted um, so usually when I start to work on a shot I sit down and start to think about it uh, uh, maybe I use paper and pen and then after I get my first idea I throw it away directly mm. and I start to think of the second one and usually the second one is better than the first one because oh. the first one is most of the time the easiest than what you've been seeing in movies many times uh, but then when you just put that out of the picture and then you really start to think of something a little bit more original and then that's when the fun stuff comes out Alice Miller or Was? Of all the characters that you worked with in all these commercials during all years which one was the strangest? For me, it's it's easy. It's, it's the <laughs> I mentioned it already. <laughs> <laughs> the, eggs, the eggs for you, Ralph. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, it's it's uh, in 2015 we were involved with a with a, a classic. Uh, it was the tackle it toe fungus commercial <laughs> for Jubilee, which is actually it's somewhat of a a milestone. It's if, if, it, it's a Super Bowl commercial, no less. Wow. But I think they spent all their money on, <laughs> on their time. But well, uh, we uh, we animated it and uh, produced it and everything. Um, and the character so we was worked a toe. It's 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 it's, uh, it's a toe fungus stricken character. It's actually the five toes of the top of a foot, and mm. it's <laughs> he's wearing a a football helmet and he's tackling. You know, playing American football, basically. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. We did our best uh, under the circumstances, but it's it's really, it's actually fun to go in and, and look at, you know, YouTube comments. Uh, and where people I that. <laughs> and I, I was reading up on it the other day, actually. And, and it's, it's just fun to go in and have a glance at times. And it's like, oh. You know, poor people who worked on this. <laughs> one comment, <laughs> but I, you know, I, 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 it's not. You know, in the end, mo- it's a most good story to tell. Yes, so. and most projects are actually, you know, sometimes they're more fun than what comes out of them in the end. And mm. and you know, yes, it's a good story. It's. Uh, you know, whenever you can have a reaction like, oh, my God, what did I just watch? <laughs> I have succeeded. I just died. Is <laughs> another good one. But yeah. So, so uh, but which character is the favorite then or a favorite project? Well, I mentioned those two Brilliant guys. Yeah. And they, uh, for me, they've been a blast. I really had a lot of fun uh, animating those. Klein Hunger also gave me a lot of satisfaction. Uh, and like Rickard said, um, sometimes it's, it's the show that makes the fun, not mm. necessarily the, 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 the specific characters you're animating. You know, when things go well with the client, with the agency, or having fun with your colleagues, then uh, that's the main, the most important thing. Yeah. Mm. L- like the flygresor. Oh, yeah, commercial. thanks for mentioning that, actually. Um, that was, uh, for me, that was really a special project, and... I fell in love with it since the first time Ricard showed me some concepts. 
that was a, an amazing work that actually we managed to to produce in such a short time. And I remember being so blown away by how well greased our um, commercial team is, and in like they they created this world in such really short time. We were so sharp in meetings and coming out with details and you could tell that Ricard has in his head already all the, the images that he wanted to pull out and it was uh, it was really beautiful and fun to work on it and uh, of course if we if we'd had m- more time we could have explored even more and mm. styles and uh, refined more uh, some ideas with animation but despite that I think that was really really good fun uh, I tend to forget that because that was uh, just the once Mm. Uh, in a while episode it's not something that came back like other commercials do but actually that was really really fun and you Mm. directed it yeah but it it was that's probably my favorite project that that I've I've been involved with uh, in my career basically Um, it was my baby basically it's it's you know I wrote the script and designed to to describe it to the listeners if you haven't seen it um, it's uh, but the client is is this kind of search engine for for cheap flights, basically. Yeah. So they will uh, help you search for the cheapest tickets. It's not an airline, mm. uh, but they wanted to um, have something new. They've been working with kittens yeah. <laughs> in live action films before, but they wanted something animated and some a, a bit of a crafty style to it. And mm. and I uh, the, the really cool part was that it's a it was a very small project, a small client and a small budget in a way. Mm. Um, so which means sometimes that you have a lot of artistic freedom and they were really cool to to um, they invited us to like okay we need something mm. tell us what we need kind of thing so we had to really sit down and think hard about like okay what do we want to do with this and we had a bunch of different uh, uh approaches but <clears throat> sort of the key thing was uh it needed to look like crafted uh, sort of um hand uh, handmade. Hand, handmade kind of um paper uh, materials and and cloth and those kinds of things which i really i'm, I'm super uh, interested in those kinds of uh characters and puppets that kind of look to create kind of digital um puppet characters mm-hmm. it's, it's something very attractive to me like whenever you can have a bit of organic feel to to 3d animation is is super interesting and a little bit difficult to do um but yeah we wrote the script uh, designed like the entire world and and the 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 characters and everything so and it, it was in terms of of budget and time there was a lot on our plate but we found ways to uh, to streamline things, work with procedural uh, materials for paper and, and uh, uh, cloth, and f- such a fantastic team, like Raoul mentioned, and like they really knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of fun, and you know, seeing the team take whatever I could come up with, little crumbs here and there was my feeling, and they just took it and ran. Yeah. And when people are having fun together, then it's 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 easy to to um, then you don't mind putting in the extra hours, or no. uh, at least for me. So so I, I I felt like I was trying to feed the machine and running in front of the train a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so it was a little bit stressful, but so much fun. 
and, and I um, got 20 made shots that were settled in Rome my whole yes. time. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the main character travels to different yeah. destinations and we made little scenes. Uh, so it, it, it's a, for me, it's a gem. It's, it's a naive little... Uh, it was so fun to play with stereotypes. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's stereotypes, which they're oftentimes are in animation. But yeah. And and uh, again, I I I can't be more be more happy about where it ended up and and the the guys and girls that worked on it. I mean, the, 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 there's so many great commercials and commercial characters that that I would like to talk about, but but I think we'll have to save that for another episode. Uh, so many thanks for coming here. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. And you out there, thanks for listening. Uh, mail us if you have questions or suggestions of topics that we should discuss. You reach us at podcast at goodbyekansas.com. Until next time, goodbye. A bientôt. Auf Wiederhören. Vi hörs. Yellow Brick Road is written and produced by Nils Lagergren. The recording was made by Jonathan Forefeldt at Goodback Kansas Studios in Stockholm and edited by Leo Kropa. The Yellow Brick Road theme is produced by Peter Blomstrand. The podcast may contain small parts and is not suitable for children under the age of three. No batteries are included.